Hello everybody, this is Tamsin Wolf and welcome to the fifth episode of my podcast, Bullseye. This one's called Dodged a Bullet. Thank you so much for your patience and understanding in me taking so long between episodes at the moment. There's a lot of physical slash emotional stuff to come to terms with as I go about doing this. And as I've said before, it often is a little bit more challenging, I guess is the word, to get these things out and to talk about them to the depth that I am at this point. So yeah, I really appreciate your patience and the lovely comments that you send and the support that I am receiving from many places in the world, which as always is very humbling and very exciting to know that you're there. Yeah, so again, thank you for waiting for me to put another one out. Pretty exciting. I feel quite good about today's one, not so much because it's a happy story in any way, but it feels like it's a definite emotional load off my mind and my shoulders because it was something I had to some degree suppressed or repressed, I think. And it's just been, it's come up again over the last few days. And it seems like quite an important one to have spoken about and gotten out of my system, I think. Just before I go on to, I'd like to dedicate this episode to my beautiful Tanya who is my support in all things and has been for a very large part of my life. And she helps me a lot with feedback with this podcast. She helps me in every possible way, on every possible level. And I love you, Tanya. And thank you for being you and thank you for being in my life. And I get all teary all of a sudden, but I hope I get to see you this year because I miss you. Anyway, the other night I was watching on Netflix And you definitely need the trigger warning with this one. There's a new one out called Stay Sweet, Pray and Obey. And it is horrific viewing. And so if you're going to watch it, please be advised that it's very, very harrowing to watch. But it's based around the story of the fundamentalist chapter of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which are the Mormons. And I admit that I don't know a lot about what the different offshoots, you know, what the difference is between one offshoot and another of Mormonism. But I know that the fundamentalist lot that are in certain parts of America and Salt Lake City and areas like that, as far as I know, when they say fundamentalist, they're very, very heavily cult-like and and really quite frightening. And so I must just put that little caveat in place because I don't think it's fair to say that the Mormons that I grew up with and around for a lot of my childhood were anything like these people. But I don't I don't know how else to I guess excuse or there's a lot of wondering that I'm doing now about how they could have in, even have been associated with anything like this, no matter what chapter of it it was. But, you know, suffice to say that the people that my immediate little family weren't part of the Mormon church, my brothers and sister and I and my mum didn't really have anything to do with them, but they were very devout members, you know, pretty much every other member of my mum's immediate family. So her sisters and brother and their children, and very much her mum, were a very, very big part of the Mormon church where we grew up. And so inevitably, kind of by default, we'd end up at different events and weddings and 
christenings and different things that it would be on that were directly involved with the church. And it was always my grandmother's wish that mum would submit and kind of join the rest of them because it was a big family on that side. And we were the ones that were kind of very left out of things. And I always felt were nowhere near good enough for the rest of them. And that was made pretty clear on several occasions by several of the aunties. But, you know, they, I don't think they were, you know, deep down any of those people were terrible people or bad people, but just extremely misguided. And and if I can thank my mum for one thing that she was very, very strong about and very clear and sure about in her life and with her children is that she didn't induct us, for want of a better word, into the church with the rest of the members of the family. She would would never have done it and was just never interested in doing it. So for that, I am truly grateful because if you have watched or are going to watch the Stay Sweet, Pray and Obey, you will see how horrific the, I can't even begin to explain how horrific some of the stories were in the lives of the children and especially the women and children in that offshoot. And so where my story is relevant to that today is just something that I got a real surprise, to be honest, as I was watching the show, I knew that I had a lot of memories of the Mormon church and having been to the temple a lot of times as a child. As I say, it was always different events and different things. And I have even have memories of my mum hiring out the hall at the Mormon church to do her band rehearsals at times, which must have been on account of my nana being a very, my nana, her mother, being a very popular member of the church. So I'd say that must have been how that came about, that mum got to use the hall sometimes. But I was watching as they did on the documentary on Netflix, a little sort of tour of the church. They were doing a tour of one of the temples that was in America. And it was just the most eerie feeling to watch it because I realized as they were showing the person making the documentary around the temple that I'd suddenly realized there must be some sort of template or something that makes pretty much all the temples very similar, if not identical to each other in their layout and their makeup and the design and the colors. I mean, not to there were many colours, everything was very, very blinding white as far as I can remember, both in the documentary and in my memory of the church as a child. There was no real sense of colour anywhere. It was very clinical and very cold and I remember feeling that even as a child. But watching the tour go through, I was more sort of interested in having a bit of a laugh to myself more than anything about remembering some of the aspects of you know, how weird it was being there as a child and how I never felt comfortable there. And I would have said at the time, as a sort of six, seven, eight-year-old, I had a very deep relationship with God and and I prayed a lot and I knew a lot of Bible verses. I used to win little tickets and little ribbons and plaques and stuff at Sunday school for knowing the scriptures. And so it wasn't if I as if I had no relationship with religion, you know, in my own little way kind of thing. But I I knew even as a child that there was something, pardon the pun, fundamentally wrong about this place and the discomfort I felt as a child there. But yeah, so they were opening and closing doors and 
pulling back curtains and stuff in the documentary, showing the different rooms. And all of a sudden they opened a door onto this room that as even as I'm saying it now, I'm getting the exact same rush of emotions as I felt when I saw it the other day when I was watching it, that there was a room with a little kind of built up, almost like white tiled area that was kind of built up, but you had to walk up a few steps. And on the top of it was a big pool, or not a big pool, but a kind of bath slash pool that was, I don't know, in my child's mind, it was probably a lot bigger than it actually was. So it, it might have only been, I don't know, a couple of metres by a couple of metres around sort of thing, just enough to be able to stand in, you know, a grown person stand in and get dunked under pretty much because it was the baptism area. And when they opened the door to show this pool, it was almost like something I would imagine to be like a P, uh, what do you call it, PTSD kind of thing that I didn't even know I was carrying this one because I just felt absolutely sick and it was all hot and cold shivers and goosebumps and very nauseous and really anxious. There was just such a flurry of emotions. And again, here goes the voice, um, because I, it's not that I had forgotten this happening to me, but I think I had very much put it somewhere where I just didn't think about it anymore or, you know, had again, as I say, repressed it to some level because it was such a traumatic experience. But what I can clearly remember, I'm quite sure I was seven. I'd have to check on that with a family member, but I'm pretty sure I was seven years old and my grandmother was always very determined to pull in at least one of us children into the fold of the Mormons. And as much as, you know, mum refused that and we refused that ourselves, certainly my older brother and sister were not interested in any way, shape or form, but I'm pretty sure because I was the youngest and therefore probably the most compliant that I was pretty much tricked into going to the church one day. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday after the the normal you know, when you go to church, what do you call it? It's a normal service in the chapel. And I remember being taken there. There was the normal service. And then when we were supposed to be going home, my nana said to me that that we had to stay back a little bit because there was something special happening that I was a part of. And, and it was only me and my grandmother that had gone to church because I think I was the only one that ever did go with her unless I'm misremembering that to my siblings. I'm sorry if I'm misremembering that. You might have got dragged along there as well, but I seem to only remember a lot of times it being me and, and Nana. But I found out, you know, it seemed to be possibly, you know, an hour or so after the service that there was a baptism happening and that it involved, you know, a couple of people that I knew, a couple of kids that I knew that were to be baptised in this gleaming white tiled dreadful room that I remember and all of a sudden I remember just being taken into a kind of like a side room with a couple of the women that were probably the mothers I think of some of the other kids that were being baptized that day as far as I know and I didn't know them at all I remember that I probably knew their names I would be very doubtful as to you know, being clear enough to mention what they were, even though I'm pretty sure about one of them that I do remember. But anyway, they 
were very nice to me, of course, and they thought they were doing the right thing and thought they were doing me a favour. But I was presented with this most beautiful, beautiful white lace dress that I remember just absolutely loving. And when I think of myself as a seven-year-old now and how I love to dress up and everything, I think I must have had, whatever you call it, reserve of steel to have said no to that dress and not yes to the dress because I absolutely loved it. I remember it just being this gorgeous, long-sleeved, high-necked, very vintage-looking, something I just would have probably almost wanted to die for at the time. But I remember just knowing that it was wrong, that this whole situation was wrong, and knowing that my mum didn't know about it, that nobody had been told, none of my family were there, that it was very much my very, very headstrong Nana's doing that she'd organised it and was virtually having me baptised behind mum's back into the Mormon church. And even though I feel, you know, obviously at that age I didn't truly comprehend what was so wrong about the situation or what was so wrong about many, many things in that church that were, you know, whether they were fundamentalist or not, there were some very bizarre ideas going on and you know, still to this day, I just look at it now and think I can't understand how they believe most of the stuff that they believe. It is truly bizarre. I mean, any religion's beliefs can be bizarre to some degree, but they really do take the cake, hence the, you know, the play, the Book of Mormon that's been made about them and the the piss take on South Park. And I think there's definite reasons why those things have been made because it really points out the true ridiculousness of what these people really do put their faith in. And it's unbelievable to me, but so are a lot of things. But anyway, I I remember just knowing in every fibre of my being that this was wrong, this situation was wrong, I wasn't going to do it. And I remember just running, running as fast as my feet would take me down the hallway of the very cold, tiled hallway of the chapel or temple, whatever it was called and running out into the car park of the church where my nana's little car was, to my memory, a little orange car she had, buttery orange, I would have called it, I think. And I remember just hiding next to the car and just hoping I wouldn't be found. And they were looking for me. And as I mean, it could have been that went on for five, 10, 15 minutes in my head, it seemed like forever. It seemed like I was hiding there for a couple of hours, but I don't think I could possibly have been. But my, I remember being eventually found or eventually I came out of the hiding spot of where I was and my nana, honest to goodness, she was a formidable woman, but she was just furious with me. I have never experienced fury like it. And it, I just knew now and even then that it came from a place of just complete embarrassment for her that I had humiliated her in front of her peers and the people that she counted as very important and very much looked up to and I had embarrassed her by making a fool of either myself or both of us of just refusing to be part of this situation and I remember being driven home after that and running in to the house where mum was to tell her what had happened and I did I remember having a clear feeling of knowing I had to get to her to tell her the story before Nana did for some reason. And as far as I can remember, I never really saw my mum and my grandmother have really, truly crosswords 
between them as I was growing up. I think they, theirs was always a rather gentle relationship. I might be completely misremembering this, but, you know, Nana was not a yelling, shouting, angry sort of woman as far as I can recall, and she wasn't really to me or us kids. And even though my mum was a very shouty, cranky, yelling woman, not to they weren't to each other. So it was very horrifying and weird to see a proper fight erupt between them because I remember just being feeling really, really guilty that I was the one that was the cause of it and that maybe I should have just gone through with the whole thing and made everybody happy. But my mum was furious that that they had gone or Nana had gone behind her back and the other members of the church to have me baptised into something that she hadn't given any kind of permission for. She hadn't even been consulted and I certainly wasn't asked first or anything. It was just expected that that was something that was going to happen to me because I was young enough not to be able to say no to it. And again, by the grace of the goddess, I, as I say, the episode's called Dodged a Bullet, and that's exactly what I did. Because watching this show the other night about the little Mormon girls and everything, I mean, it is honestly one of the most disgusting, horrifying things I've ever seen. And I'm not saying that my life would have become like that because, again, as I say, there is a difference between what you might term the normal Mormon church and the branch of it that is the fundamentalist people because they're a lot more, you know, almost um, crossing over to the Amish side of how they live in many ways and, you know, with the little house on the prairie type dresses and all that kind of thing. It's not that that's what I was being indoctrinated into. It's not something to that degree, although they did have bizarre rules and laws about what you could wear. Even in the little town of Tamworth where I lived, there was definite rules that I had to follow when I was at the church that I never understood. And you could only pass things like the sacrament cups and stuff like that. You could only pass them, I think, with your right hand and not your left. And I was left-handed and always found it very, very awkward. And but they were just, you know, sort of very random, very, to me, pointless kind of rules that you had to follow that were virtually arbitrary that you think, where did that come from and why? Why have we got to do that? But anyway, as I say, I got away with it. It didn't happen. I don't know what happened after that. I can't remember what ended up happening between mum and Nana. I suppose they just we started speaking to each other again after a while. and. I even can't remember after that whether I ever went to the church again. I I really don't know. I wouldn't be able to clearly say whether I stopped going at that point, and I would say it's probably likely that Mum stopped me going with her after that. But, I mean, knowing Mum, who knows? Who knows what her reasoning was if, if I did keep going? But I don't recall there being a lot of association with the Mormon church after that point, and it wasn't too long after that. It was sort of 18 months later or something that we moved away. So again, that would have gotten me completely out of that circle. And thank goodness for that. But yeah, it was just my point in telling this story was that to have that memory come up and think, wow, to be baptised into that church and just the energetic process, for want of a better term, the energetic and spiritual process of going through with that I don't even want to think about or imagine the extent of, you know, the pedophilic tendencies that are in that church and in that extended church and, as I say, the fundamentalist branch. 
They are just the most disgraceful, disgusting men that I've ever heard of, and that's saying something as far as what they did to these children in this documentary and the lies and the deceit and the just abuse of children was horrific. And I shuddered to think that I ever would have been in any way, shape or form energetically connected to those people in any way. And that level of child abuse, that level of pedophilia, that level of just human disgrace And it was just horrifying for me to think that how close I could have been to that happening and so, so grateful that that was no longer part of my life. And I do thank my mum for being really strong about that. So thanks, mum. Not that you'll ever be listening to this, but if you ever do, I'm very grateful for your strength that day in in ensuring that that would never happen again. And my other point was that in the wake of all the Roe versus Wade stuff going on in America at the moment, which is just so horrific beyond words. I don't have, I start to stutter as soon as I start to talk about it because it is so horrifying to me. So heading towards Handmaid's Tale stuff that it is just distressing on all levels. My heart goes out to every woman in America at this time and in fact, all over the world, because there's going to be a knock-on effect to every other woman in the world as well from this decision. I can't believe that you are going through this over there. And I do vow in any way I can possibly help you from my end or anything I can possibly do to support you, I promise to do so. Honestly, you can probably tell just by, by stuttering and stammering of words at the moment there, I'd just I I have no context to put this in. It is too horrific to even contemplate what you are going through. And I am so, so sorry. And in the wake of that, as I say, it's just all the more reason why we need to speak up. We need to keep talking. We need to keep talking louder. We need to tell our stories. We need to just stop this process that appears to be horrifyingly happening at the moment that we are being further silenced and being further trodden on by a patriarchal system that is just beyond belief and like something out of a dystopian movie. I sort of feel like part of me thinks it can't be real. And then, you know, on a good day when I'm feeling stronger, I just think, no, it's not going to be real. We're not going to let this happen. We're going to keep talking. We're going to bring these people to justice. We're going to regain and surpass the strengths that we've had in the past. We're going to rage. Women everywhere will stand up and rage. And these things will not be allowed to continue. And Again, I thank you so, so much for listening to this. This has been my fifth episode and the sixth episode that is the taking up where I left off from the actual personal child abuse I experienced. That'll be in the next episode. So again, trigger warning that there will be some descriptions of child abuse in that. And that should be in fairly quick succession after this one. So hopefully within a few days, I'll get that one out and... Yeah, my thanks go out to you for your love and support. And to all my patrons, I thank you so, so much for what you've done to support me. There's a website now that's actually attached to the podcast and it's called bullseyepodcast.com.au. It's in Australia, obviously. And if you tap on, I think it's the three lines on the right top hand corner of the website, 
It's got a little list of actions you can take there for listening to the podcast, etc. But one of them says become a patron. And that's where if you tap on that, you can put your pledge in for honestly as little as a dollar a month if that's what you'd like to do and any amount is acceptable to become a patron of the podcast and it helps just incredibly with every little part of it and I appreciate you all so much. There's quite a few costs involved in doing this and until I can start making some sort of money, you know, possibly from sponsors and stuff down the track, which I'm certainly not ready for yet, but when I am, I'm not going to need to ask for for assistance from people, but until then I'm very, very grateful for any pledges that I can receive from you however small. So yeah, on the website, bullseyepodcast.com.au, press the little lines at the top. It'll say become a patron. Very easy process. I think you just put your details in and it's done. But if any of you feel to do that, I'd be forever, forever grateful. And if you don't want me to give you a shout out on the program, please let me know that as well, because otherwise I'd love to give all of my patrons a shout out and a big thank you and a lot of love. Anyway, I'll talk to you next time. And yes, I've been Tamsin Wolf, and this is Bullseye. And thank you so much for listening. Lots of love. Bye.